All right, here we go. Today's Daf Daf Sadi Test, page ninety nine, and we are up to the very top words. We're up to the words Tanurabanan, and here we go. So let's remind ourselves: the Mishnah gave us a fascinating case, and the Gemara is going to continue on similar situations where there's confusion as to somebody's yichus. So the um, you know the cases that we learned about yesterday is let's say you have five boys that are all mixed up. Uh, you know, at birth, and we don't know really whose child is whose, and then each one has a brother, so we don't know where the Yibam happened, so we say that the brothers all do, the first four do Chalitza, last one does Yibam, and ultimately the message that we walked away with, or Baravinsky pointed this out as well for us, is that, you know, we see the Achrayas, the responsibility to do whatever it takes to try to chaperine as many proper mitzvahs as, uh, as you can, according to the statistics. Right now, interestingly, interestingly, um, and this is something that, as I was preparing today's daf, just noticed the Gemara is also telling us. I'm just focusing on numbers for a minute. You're not allowed to be too conservative either, because you might say, "Let one person do um, do yibum on all of them," because meman of shach, right? Let the, let everybody else do chalitza, and then let the last guy do yibum on everybody, because now they're either off the hook or they're his yibum. Okay, but then you're maxing it out at twenty percent. Only one out of five is certainly marrying his yavam, his yavama. But it's a guarantee. He's one of these five are going to be his yavamas. Apparently, it's worthwhile taking a risk and potentially getting more yavams and yavamas together than to take a zikr, a guaranteed approach of having only one out of five, which. If you learn, the, the Gemara is really teaching us how to, uh, how to balance out Shiko um, Hadas. You know, how had, had to had balance it out. We don't know 50-50 yet. That's going to be some of the cases over here. But be it as it may, here we go. Tana Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and so should we. Yesh chaylitz misafik. This is the, kind of like the riddles from yesterday. There's a case where a person might do chalitza with his mother because there's a doubt. And we even have a, we could, we're even going to list the case where a person is going to do chalitza with his possible sister out of Suffolk and Suffolk. And also, there's a possibility that somebody is going to be doing chalitza, again, not yibum, obviously, we're never going to allow possible yibum on the mother, but possible chalitza <laughs> on his daughter. Okay, so you can possibly, be obligated to do chalitza on your mother. On your sister or on your daughter, and now the Gemara is going to get into these cases. Here we go. Ketzad, how does this? What's the case? How does this all work out? So listen closely. Follow along, step by step. Imay veisha acheres velahen shtei You have a woman and her friend, two women. Okay. You have a, now, one of these women is the guy's, this, this guy who we're going to talk about's mother. So you have a woman and her friend. Each one of them, the mother, the, the woman and her friend, each have a child. Okay. And then they have additional children inside of a machve. Now, a machve just means like the, the whole situation is unclear, it's hidden. It's referring to where there's confusion now as to which child's to which mother. So again, you have two women, Rachel and Leah. Each one already has a son. 
after each one has a son, they have additional sons together, and those additional sons get mixed up. All right, so here we go. Uba bina shalzu, vinasa imay shalzeh. The son of one woman married the other woman. So far, there's no problem because, again, each woman already had a pre existing son. So we're not talking about the doubtful sons yet. Let's start giving names. Rachel and Leah uh, um, each have a child. Rachel has Yosef. Leah has Reuven. So far, so good. Then Rachel and Leah are in hiding, and their children get mixed up. And, and uh, the names were Binyamin and Shimon. Binyamin and Shimon get mixed up. Okay. Now let's say Leah who's Reuven's mother and a suffix to the Shimon and Binyamin, Le- Leah dies. I'm sorry, Leah's husband dies. Leah's husband dies. Okay. So you know what happens? Rachel's oldest son, Yosef, marries her. Is there a problem with marrying your mother's friend? No, doesn't say anywhere in the Torah, you can't marry your mother's friend. Right? So Yosef goes and marries... Leah, his mother's friend. All right. And the other son, Reuven, let's say Rachel's husband died. Reuven marries Rachel. Again, his mother's friend. So far, you have just two boys marrying their mother's friend and everything's good. But now here's the problem. Both Yosef and Reuven die without children. You hear, so who's left? You have Rachel and Leah. They're still alive. And the only two boys that are left are the boys who we don't know who their mother is and who their brother is. They might, each one might be a possible Yavam to, the, to a woman. We just don't know if it's, the, if it's uh, you know, if, if uh, let's talk this out. If, Shimon was Reuven's brother. So then, if Shimon was Reuven's brother, there wouldn't be any evil. Because Shimon's married to Rachel and his mother can't fall to him in evil. But let's say he's not really Reuven's brother, he's going to have a heel of evil. You understand? So we're going to have a suffix over here. So, Incredible. What's going to happen is, you know what we do? Each doubtful boy, man, is going to do chalitza on both women, knowing that one of these women is certainly his mother. But the other one's his mother's friend. He doesn't know. So this is a case, says the Gemara, where you're going to be obligated to do chalitza on your mother out of a suffix. Beautiful. Yeah? Clear? Yeah? All right. And now the case of the sister and the daughter are just going to follow suit. It's, uh, with uh, similar approaches. Here we go. The Achaisemi Safekezat, how is it possible to be obligated to do chalitza on your sister out of a Safek? Same thing. Um, you have a woman and her friend, they give birth to girls in a machve. Okay, so again, the girls get mixed up, and we don't know clear, it's not so clear um, uh, who the mother is. Now, 
They, each sister has a pre-existing brother. The same way in the other case where each Suffolk brother had a Vada'i brother earlier. So too over here, the doubtful sister had a Vada'i brother earlier. Okay. And the brothers from a different mother, meaning uh, their brother's paternal brother, who there would be Ibum with, goes and marries the girls, which there's no problem. There's no problem here whatsoever because all you do is share a half-sibling, but the boy and girl are completely not blood relatives. They don't share any parents. Umesu Bilobonim. And these brothers who are Vadai, they're, they're certainly, uh, you know, uh, they're certainly half-brothers paternally to each other, but we don't know about to these girls. They die without children. The is the other brothers are obligated to do chalitza because now it's your half-brother from the father and it's going to come out, you're going to do chalitza on your sister. Why? Because one of these girls is certainly your half-sister. The other, maternally. The other girl may not be related to you at all and therefore you're going to be obligated to chalitza in case your brother was the one who was married to her and she's not related and being that she's not related to you, you're going to have chalitza here. You're obligated to do chalitza on your sister Misafik. Both these girls are going to get chalitza from both these men. Okay, what about libito Misafik Ketzad? What's a case where a person is going to be obligated to do chalitza on his own daughter out of a Suffolk? Now, all we need to do here as well, obviously, is give a case where you have two girls and one might be his daughter and one might not be his daughter and they were married to his paternal brother. So here we go. You have a woman and her friend. Uh, they give birth to girls where they get the, the two daughters get mixed up. And the brothers of the father... Now, we don't, these girls don't know who their father is. They don't know who their father is because they don't know who their mother is. They don't know which woman's their mother. So this guy's wife and her friend go and get, get their kids confused. And now his brothers marry the girls. Now, is there a problem with this? No. Listen closely. Why? Because let's say this father has two brothers. Okay? These two girls, how are they related to the father's brothers? One of them is going to be the niece. And that's not a problem, biblically. You're allowed to marry your niece. Even rabbinically, you're allowed to marry your niece. The, there's Rebuda Chassid uh, on this, be it as it may. But, uh-huh. yeah. according to Allah, there's no issue marrying a niece. So one marries his niece, the other one marries the other girl. They don't know which one of these women are their nieces or just a regular woman. And it doesn't matter because their marriages are totally valid. But, the father's two brothers now die without children. So now... There's two girls falling to the father. One of them is going to be his daughter. And one of them is not. And he doesn't know who's his daughter. Because they got mixed up as birth. The father is going to do chalitza on both these girls out of Suffolk. That maybe she is the one who's not his daughter. Obviously if your daughter falls to you in, in Yivam, there's no Yivam. Right? But in case, she's, each woman is the one. Now ultimately, but notice... By obligating him to do two chalitzas, this is a case where you're going to have an obligation. You know for a fact you just did chalitza on your daughter. You know you did it. Because you just did chalitza on these two women. One of them was certainly your daughter. 
So you have an obligation of, you have a clear obligation to do chalitza on your daughter, even though it's coming about through a doubtful situation. Okay, period, end of that explanation. So just to round this up, what do we have so far on the top of today's daf? We start out with a brisa. The brisa says, there's three scenarios where a person's going to end up doing just, it's like, kind of like the riddles we had, right? Uh, where you're going you're to have a situation going to be a chi of chalitza on your mother, wife, on your mother, sister, and daughter, and we just explained how each one plays out. Beautiful. Okay. Tanya, Merlant in a Braisa. We learned in a Braisa. Rameir says, Ready? You can have a man and woman who have five different. Oh, how do you translate? Umais means nations. We're going to translate this as five different citizenships of their children. Uh, uh, citizenship? Categories. Yeah, c- categories, nationalities, so, so to speak. Different categories for yes. each of their, uh, of their, of their five children. Five, you're gonna have to, each child is going to have a different passport. Jesus. All right? Here we go. Huh? Genealogical classes. Genealogical classes. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Here you go. Now that's, that's how you put something into two words that it takes a shiva guy four sentences. All right. <laughs> Ketzai, what's the case? Yisrael shall lock a chaver v'shivcha min ashok. If you have Yisrael that purchased an evident shivcha from the marketplace, okay. So, are they as soon as uh, until they're purchased, they're not an evident kanani, okay? Because let's say they're owned by a non-Jewish person, and you have a Jewish person that comes and purchases the slaves. Now, rem- these servants. Now, remember, when does an evident kanani and shivcha kananis take on the status? Of an Evakani Shifkananis, when they're Tovel Lishem Avdus, when they immerse in a mikvah for the purpose of slavery, now they be- now they take on their their name of Ebed Kanani Shifcha Kananis and they become obligated in those mitzvahs and so on and so forth. Okay? So here we go. So you have a, a, y- a Yisrael that purchased an Evan Shifcha. And these two servants also had so they had two sons. You have a, ma- a male and a female. And they each have two sons. Okay. One of the sons of the two adults, this husband and wife we'll call them, that you purchased, converted to Yiddishkeit. They converted to Judaism. It's going to come out. One of these child, children is Jewish and one's not Jewish. Okay. Then... The Jew who bought the Avakani Shifcha Kananis has them go to the mikvah for the purpose of becoming an Eved, taking on the status of an Eved Ivri and an Avakanani in the Shifcha Kananis. And then they had relations with each other. Still, there's no problem. They're now an Avakanani and a Shifcha Kananis. They have relations. Harekan Ger Vaevet Gachavim Vaevet. So now you're going to have a case. Apparently they had a child. Now the halacha is, if you ever have a shivcha kananis that has a child, that's, that child has a status of a shivcha kananis. So listen closely to what happened. Ready? The Jew bought a male eved kanani, a, 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 a non-Jewish male and a non-Jewish female. They had two children. You don't own these kids. You didn't purchase these kids. These kids are regular gayim. They might be 20 years old. They might be 20 years old. 
you, you, you purchased, you know, a 55-year-old uh, couple, not Jewish servants. They have two sons that are not Jewish. Okay. This couple, now one of the kids ends up converting to Judaism. So this couple now becomes avod, and they become servants, and they have a child who's a servant. So, so far they have three kids. One kid is completely not Jewish. Another kid is completely Jewish. And now they have a third kid who's an Ever Kenani. Because he's born to the woman who's in the state of being a Shifcha Kenanis, right? So this child being born afterwards, after they're purchased, is going to be another nationality. Let's go. Uba Allaha, I'm sorry, Harikan Gebra Ukham Evan. Okay. Shikhrer Esa Shifcha. The owner then frees the mother. When she's freed, what happens? She becomes completely Jewish. And here's the problem. Since he freed the Shivcha Kananis, she's completely Jewish. Listen closely. Here's going to be a little bit of a chat, but we know this. We're using rules that we know. She's now totally Jewish. But what about her husband? He's still an Eved Kanani. What's the halacha of an Eved Kanani that has relations with a regular Jewess? With the Yisraelis. So we saw an opinion, the kids of Mamzer. Okay? So this couple, they still love each other. Just the woman was free. So now she becomes pregnant again. She conceives, she has a child. This fourth child of theirs is now going to be in the state of Mamzeris. So, so far again, they have a non-Jew, a Jew, an Eved, Kenani, and a Mamzer. All right? Shichrer Shneim. So the owner, the Jewish owner sees, you know what, it's not fair to only free her. They love each other so much. Let me free the father as well. So he frees the father as well. They marry each other. They now have five sons. One is not Jewish. One is Jewish as a ger. The other one is an Evan. Kenani still, because he's not free. Another one's a mom's, another one's born Jewish. Ah, each one's got their own passport. Says the Gemara, my Kamashmalan, very nice, nice gymnastics over here. But ultimately, my Kamashmalan, what's your Chiddush? Answer the Gemara, the Chiddush over here is that we're following the opinion that uh, in Evid, that's Baal Bas Yisrael, the child is going to be a Mamzer. That's why Reb Meir quoted this whole case. Mamish, incredible. Yeah, Gishmak. All right, Mamish Gishmak. Clear, incredible. All right, here we go. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and that's what the rabbis. Yesh meicher asaviv lahagbais imay suvasa keitzah. Let me give you a case where a person sells his father <laughs> to allow his mother to be paid her ksuba. In order to get his mother money that's owed to her, he sells his father. Oh, okay. Whoa. How'd, uh, how'd you figure that out? So here we go. Ketzad. What happened? What's the case? Yisrael lokach eved v'shivcha minashuk. You have a regular Yisrael that buys an eved and a shivcha from the shuk. Okay. V'lohan bain. They already had a son. Now this kid is not Jewish. Okay. Now this kid is not bought either by the Jews. Same as before. All you bought were this man and woman. You didn't buy their child. All right. V'shichrer es ha 
after buying this couple, he's Meshachrer, he frees the mother. Vinasa, and, <laughs> see, he frees the mother, Vinasa, and she gets married. You know why? Because she's a regular Jewess. She's going to go get, she, she marries another guy. She moves on in her life. Yeah, she's free, she's moving on. Okay. Now, who did she marry? Ready for this? Who'd she marry? Here's the catch. The owner. The guy who used to own her now freed her. She's a regular Yisraelist. So the owner now has a Jewish woman and she likes him because he freed her. And he marries her. Now she owns him, Rabbi Rabinsky says. (laughs) Okay, very good. Yeah, how the tables have turned. The Yamad Vikosav Kol Nechosav Levna. And then um, he gets up, and the, the owner of, the former owner of the wife, and the current owner of the ex husband, the Ebed Kenani, he gets up and he writes a legal document to his non Jewish stepson that his non-Jewish stepson is going to inherit all of his property. Okay? Listen to this. Nimtza, it comes out. The son, this non-Jewish son, inherited his father. Right? Say he is obligated to sell his father to get value to pay the mother's ksuba when her Jewish husband passed away and the estate needs money. So in order to get money for the estate, the son has to sell the father's to get the value so that his mother's ksuba could be paid off. Says Gavara, my kamashlan, what's the chiddush over here? Kula, Rav Meir, he, va'avdi, metaltala, umetaltale, mishtabdi, l'ksuba. So the chiddush over here is that uh, j- just in the laws of servitude, that an eved is is a type of object that you would sell in order to pay off a lien of the ksuba. Okay, that's the chiddush. That's the novel idea that Rameir wants to bring here. Vibayisema. Another chiddush that you can learn from this. Another novel idea is hakamashmalan avda ke makarka dami. That you see that an eved is like uh, karka, and therefore everybody would agree um, certainly that there's a lien. On the Ebed. See, either the Chiddush here is that an Ebed is like Karka, that a lien is on, it's like real estate, or the Chiddush here is, even though he's not Karka, there's a lien even on movable objects. Okay? Incredible. Period. End of that Gemara. Next Mishnah. Here we go. Ha'isha shanis arev v'lada bevlad kalasa. Alright? You have a woman and... Her daughter-in-law are expecting children at the same time. Expecting children at the same time. That's the well-known joke, right? At an Orthodox wedding, the mother of the of the chassan's pregnant, right? Fine. So you have Bliyain Hara, you have the Bubby, and the daughter-in-law. They're expecting children at the same time, and these children get mixed up. We don't know yet. Which son goes to the daughter and is the anical of the mother-in-law, the grandson of the mother-in-law, or and which child is actually a brother-in-law to the daughter-in-law and child of the mother, right? You get, you get the issue here? 
One of these boys, here's the bottom line, ready for this? One of these boys is the uncle to the other. We don't know who's the uncle or who's the nephew. All right? Two babies born at the same time. One's the uncle, one's the nephew. We don't know. Uh, we, we don't know who's who. Okay. Higdilu hatarubis. They get older, Baruch Hashem, they grow up. V'nasu noshim, and they marry women. V'mesu, and each one now dies without children. So what do we do? What do we do here? So here we go. B'nei hakala, the daughter-in-law's other sons, Chotzen v'loy miyavim. They're going to do chalitza, and they're not allowed to do yibum at all. You know why? So here we go. Shahu sofek eshas achiv, because each each uh, brother, okay, is a sofek that it might be each each um, woman that they married, each widow that's left remaining might be their brother's wife or. Suffolk Ashes Achi Aviv, or she might be the wife of my father's brother. Okay? Now, you don't know which one is your uncle's wife and which one is your brother's wife. You understand? Your uncle's wife, you're forbidden to. Your brother's wife, you have a mitzvah yibu. Okay? So, Namela, they're going to be obligated to do Khalid Sambul. B'nai Hazakena. But the children of the bubby, of the mother-in-law, you know what they could do? These two widows, they could do Yibam or Chalitza. Why? They really don't have a problem. Because think about it. This widow is either the widow of your nephew or the widow of your brother. Right? You can marry the widow of your nephew and if it's the widow of your brother, you have a mitzvah of yibum. So, do what you want. But you can't do nothing. Either yibum or chalitza. Like, if you don't want to do yibum, you can't just say, well, maybe, uh, maybe it's my nephew's wife. Why should I do it? No, because she might be your brother's wife. So you can have to do chalitza on her. Because she might be your nephew's wife or she might be your brother's wife. Okay? Fine. That we understand. Let's keep going. Mesu hakshirim. What if, instead of the two sons, again, the two sons that got mixed up, one's the uncle, one's the nephew. Are we following? We got this cover? Yeah? Um, um, you have a woman and her daughter-in-law have children at the same time, and the two children got mixed up. One of these children is going to be a brother-in-law to the other woman who gave birth. Right? To the, one of them is going to be a, a brother-in-law to this daughter-in-law. It's her husband's brother. Or it might be her kid. Right? So, all right. So the other case was, they both grow up. What do you do? What about if, and die, what do you do? What about if the two brothers who got mixed up didn't die? Rather, mesu hakshirim. The children who were certain sons of the mother-in-law or certain sons of the daughter-in-law, they die childless. So, hataruvis. Now, what do you do with the boys? Because each one is unsure whether they have a mitzvah of yibum or whether it's not my brother. She might not be my brother's wife. She might be my uncle's wife. All right. So here we go. Levnei Azakena to the 
um, uh, to the uh, um, the widow of the Bnei, the, the children of the Bnei Azkena. What do they say to the widow? They are obligated to do chalitz they can't do but you know why? Because she might be Eishasachiv, and then there would be a mitzvah yibam. But also remember, she might be your aunt, and that's forbidden. So you you cannot in any way, shape, or form be doing yibam. You may be doing Gibam on an ant that is a biblical transgression. They have relations with one's ant. Levnei Kala, but as far as the children of the daughter-in-law, Echad Chaylez Vecham Yavim, we can say, you know what? Let one of these sons who got mixed up, one of them could do, do uh, Chalitza first. Why? Because either he's doing Chalitza on his real Yavama, or... Yeah, he's doing chalitza on his real yavama, or he's doing chalitza on a woman who he's not connected to. So there's no there's no loss. The miyavim, and the other one could do yibum now. You know why? Because either he's going to be doing yibum on a woman that he's permitted to, or he's going to be doing yibum on a woman who had chalitza done to her already, so she's permitted to shuk. She's permitted to the whole world, and even if he was completely unrelated to her, there's no issue anymore. Okay, so. Basically, the ratio, the first case, but just breaking down everything we know already in the past 98 blot, Bliya and Hara, in Yavamas, all these rules and how we're playing this out makes it all really line up in a row and allow us to figure out, you know, how to, uh, how to tackle this, uh, this difficult situation. Okay. What happens if you have a family of Kohanim that own an Ebed Ivri and Shifcha Kananis. Now here's what happens with the Ebed Ivri and Shifcha Kananis. It happens to be that the, the owner, who's a Kohenes, the, the wife, is expecting a child at the same time as her, as her Shifcha Kananis. And those children get mixed up. So now one child's going to be an Ebed, and one child's going to be a Kohen. And we don't know which one is the Kohen and which one is the Evet. All right. Now you can already imagine the problems when it comes to Yibam in particular. Because Kahanim, you can't just say, oh, even if it's not in. I mean, a freed Evet cannot marry a Kohen. Okay? So let's, let's tackle what we're going to do over here. Says the Mishnah, Harei Elu Eichlin Bitruma. Ready? Both sons are certainly permitted to eat Truma. You know why? One's a Kohen And one's owned by a Kohen Any, any, uh, any uh, Ebed that's owned by a Kohen Is a lad Yishroma However As we're going to see shortly um, At the granary They were given out specific Portions The two of them can only take one portion Because only one portion available that could be uh, given out for them. They can't take two portions. Top of Amad Beis. Top of Tzadik Tesem The Enam Metamin Lameisim. They both cannot become Tommy Mace Because both might be a Kohen. The Enam Noisim Noshim. Ben Ksherais. Ben Psulais. And they cannot marry any Jewish woman. Incredible. You know why? Because a regular Jewish woman is not allowed to marry an Eved. And a... Shivcha Kananis, who is allowed to marry an Ebed, is not let him marry a Kain. So none of them can get married. Because you don't know what you are. Each one might be a Kohen, 
each one might be a coin. And if each one's a coin, then um, um, yeah, if each one might be a coin, then they'd only be permitted to a Jewish woman, a born Jewish woman. But they also, on the flip side, each one might be an Evan. Go find me one type of woman that can marry both a regular Jewish guy and an Evan Kanani. It's not possible. And we give them the status of both. Each one has the status of both. They're both Kohanim and Avodim, and there's no woman who can marry both a Kohen and an Evan. Okay. So the only way out of it is if a freedom. That's right, that's right. That's right. Okay. Now, Higdilu Hataruvis. Now they get older. Vishikhriru Zeza. Ah, so now we're going to start with what we call the reconciliation. You know, how do, we, how do we resolve this issue? See, here's what they do. Once they become bar mitzvah, ready? One of them is from the family of Kohanim, and one of them is the Evan. Now, not only is one a Kohen, one's an Evan, one of them owns the other, but they don't know who's the owner and who's not. So you know what we tell them? Each one should free the other. So now each one is going to take on a status of being a maybe Kohen or a regular Jew because they're a freed Eved Kenani. All right. So now, now they're allowed to marry women who are, uh, who are fit for a Kohen. Okay? Now, um, what this means is that, you know, w- once they're freed, we know they can marry any Jewish woman, but since one of them is going to be a Kohen and the other one's not, they're still going to have to be careful about that. Okay. So, and they're not allowed to be Metame Mesim. Again, they just have to take on the Chumras of everything, take on all the stringencies. Maybe they're Kohanim. If they did contaminate themselves, if they did make themselves Tomei, then we're not going to give them Malchus. A regular Kayin, if he does it on purpose, will give Malchus. Over here we won't, again, because even though they're not allowed to, it's only a doubt. You don't give somebody lashes because of a doubt. And now they're not allowed to eat Shuma anymore. You know why? Because each one is not owned by a Kohen, and you might not be a Kohen. You might be a regular Yisrael. You, each one might just be a regular freed uh, Evet, and therefore they're both no longer, once they're free, until they're free, they're both allowed to eat Shuma. Once they're free, they both are not allowed to eat Shuma. Um, but if you did eat Shuma, by regular Yisrael eating Shuma, you got to pay not only the principal, but an additional fifth. If they do it, again, because Suffolk, if you want to charge somebody money, you're going to have to prove it. And since there's no way to prove who's who, the halacha is that it was forbidden for them to eat the truma, but if they do, they don't have to pay back the karen v'chaymish. And they no longer receive any sort of portion from the granary that's given, as, uh, that's given to the kahanim. But um, they're allowed to sell truma and the dumim, the value they get to keep. Okay? Meaning, they can sell truma once they separate their own thing to a kayin, and they can, they can keep the money. And this also has to do with a financial, anything that has to do with finances, the rule is, you can't obligate them to give anything financial to the kohen, 
if there's a chance that they might be kahanim. The other kayan has to prove that I'm not a kohen before he could before he can obligate me in any uh, real financial obligation over here. They don't take any sort of chilek in the kotshe hamikdash. They don't get parts of the karbonis. We also don't give out any kotshim. Even though they don't get it, we don't force them, however, to, um, you know, to uh, hand over something that they made kotshim that a regular kayan can have. Again, just dealing with the financial laws. Anything that's fi- that has to do with finances... Now they could be, they could you know do the right thing, so to speak, and make sure out of suffix to give it over to the base hamikdash. But we we just can't force any of this. Upeturim min hazraya min hazraya These are the parts that are given over to the kahanim, and uh, they are they are uh, putter if they take some of these matnas kahuna. If if they have a bechar that's born to them, so usually a kohen is allowed to be makra of the carbon and, uh, and hold on to it. But over here, since he might be a Kayan and he might not be a Kayan, you can't tell him, oh, you have to give up your rights to the firstborn and give it to a Kayan, because maybe it's him himself. Again, it's, fin- it's finances. This is finances over here. This, uh, and, and financially, you can't obligate somebody who he himself may have the right to. And keep in mind, I mean, this whole thing's 50-50. It's a pretty strong chance. Each one has a strong chance that they have rights to this. The nice and love chamurik anim chamurik Yisrael, and in general, we'll see what the added chiddush uh, over here is. Rashi says, you know, we just gave a whole list of differences, and now we're saying, just know that they're taking on all of the chumras of being both a kohen and being a Yisrael. Okay, fine. Says the Gemara, mesu akshirim v'chulu. If the uh, certain sons passed away. Again, the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, each one had other sons. If a certain son's passed away, it says the Gemara, Elahanuch. But these children who got mixed up at birth, Mishum Diruv Lahu, Lahu Psulim. Because they were mixed up, shouldn't they become, shouldn't they take on the status of Mamish being possible? Okay? Meaning, we don't want them to, we, we don't want to say that like there's, uh, you know, in. Um, the, the amamzer, that's not what we're trying to say, but what we're saying is like, why are we saying mesu um, haksherim as opposed to what? Hapsulim, like you're calling them puzzle? Nobody's puzzle here. There's, no, there's nobody puzzle as the Abba. You're right. We, the Mishnah shouldn't really be saying like the kosher ones as opposed to the puzzle ones. These kids who got mixed up are not puzzle, they're not mamzit. Nothing wrong, we just don't know who their mother is. So, the Repubba's answering, you're right. The, the, instead of using the word kosher and the flip side of the apostle, you say vadai. Vadai and shema. Yeah? The certain sons, the ones who we know are certainly their children died and, and uh, we're referring to the ones who got mixed up as possible. As we pointed out, we're in the Mishnah. One has to do chalitza before the other one does yibum. If one of them does yibum first before the other one does chalitza, that's that's forbidden. Now let us stay with her. Because you may very well be living with a woman who was the the other guy's yavama, and you're now having relations with um, with uh, somebody who's forbidden to the regular um, Jewish public. If you have a child of a kahenas that gets mixed up with the child of a shivcha kananis, 
says the Gemara, Chelek Echad Pshita. Okay? This that we say, there's only one Chelek, there's only uh, one portion uh, from, the, uh, from the granary, Pshita. That's Pashit. Okay? Now what does it mean that's Pashit? What does it mean that's simple? So what it means over here is that, you know, in general, when I give Truma, I can give Truma to any kind I want. I can give Truma any kind I want. There's no problem over here. But in general, the way that it worked is people tried to keep it fair. <coughs> they tried to keep it fair because they wanted to make sure that, you know, you didn't have one family of Kahanim that had a monopoly and got all the good stuff while you had other Kahanim that uh, were kind of left hanging. So over here, what we mean is, you know, what we're trying to do is they should only take one portion, meaning it should, they should be given to in a very fair way Equal, but not two different portions. Because Lemaisa, practically, there really only, for sure, is one Kohen here. There's no two Kohanim. So you don't have to give enough for two. Give enough for one, and they'll figure out a way to split it. So Gemara says, you're right. Ema chelak be'echad. Rather, say that they get apart as echad. Okay? Meaning, they should both actually be there at the time to make sure that it's done in a fair way. Tanan command Omar. We learned in the mission like the one who says, "In Chok and Shuma Eved Elam Kain Rabbi Imai." We only give Shuma to an Eved if the Kay again an Eved Kanani who's owned by a Kohen, so he could come and and uh, take Shuma from Yisrael. Yisrael's giving out Shuma. We only give it to him if the Kohen himself is there. Time learned in the Brisa. In Chok and Shuma Eved Elam Kain Rabbi Imai Diver Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Siyamar Yachol Sheyamarim Kainani Tulim Bishvelatzmi. Ready for this? Again, getting back to this the situation where this kid might be a slave. He might be a Kohen. So he could say like this, if I'm a Kohen, give me my own Truma. And if I'm a servant of a Kohen, give it to me because of my master. So our Mishnah follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and therefore everybody should be there at the same time. In the place of Rabbi Yehuda, they would um, uh, give out Truma depending... Um, on their the, depending on their yichus, okay. Meaning, how do you know if somebody's a really a valid kohen? I know if somebody's really a valid kohen. Nowadays, unfortunately, with people who are pulled away from Yiddishkeit, you have people. They come over. They come over to me. They go over. They go over to the rav. They go. They say, "Listen, you know, I think I'm a kohen. Why do you think you're a kohen? Because my I have an old uncle." That he's 119. He used to sit when he was a kid next to my Alta Zayda in an Orthodox shul. And he said he remembers my Alta Zayda being called up as a Kohen. Okay. Now, your old uncle is 119. What does he know? Doesn't know anything. He just knows that when he was a kid, he thinks. Uh, he's like, okay, let's research this. Do you know where your great grandfather's buried? Yeah. Check his tombstone. Is say anything about Kahanim? Is there a picture of of uh, duchening over there? Any any uh, symbolisms of a Kayan? Guy comes back. Nope, nothing there. Nothing there. All right. So in a situation like that, you're probably going to say you're not a Kayan. Don't worry about it. Okay. Otherwise, you might, it, it's very common for Abunim, the first place that a Rav goes to very often. If there's no living members or there's no documentation, you go to the cemetery. You look at the Matsevis of the uh, previous generations and you say, hey, you know, what's this over here? So let, let's get into this. Back then, 
you know how they knew if somebody was a Kohen, if they were handed truma at the granary, that was like the matzeva, that was like the tombstone. If, if people were worthy enough that they was known, they would go to the granary and receive the truma, that was enough to elevate them to have the status of a Kohen. Okay. Um, Viter. So in Rabbi Yehuda's city, they would, if whoever received Truma was known to have good Yichas. They, just because they received Truma, did not make them fit to, uh, as far as their Yichas is concerned. Okay? Now, you know what, a, you, you know, why would somebody receive Truma if they're not a Kayan? What, what did we just say? Yeah, I might be an Ebed. I might be owned by a Kohen and taking Truma. Right? So really depending on the Minug of, of if the master had to be there in order for me to give it to the Ebed, so then we understand. If the master, we understand why maybe if somebody were to uh, get Truma, you could follow their Yichus, because we'll know clearly who's the servant and who's the Kohen. Otherwise, if we were just give it out to the servants without the master being there, just because somebody receives Truma means they're a Kohen? No, they might be a complete Evan. Tani will learn to Nebraisa. Oh, my Rebbe Lozabar, Tzolik Lozabar, you should know I testified only one time in my life. And because of my testimony, they said that this guy is a Kohen. How could they make him into a Kohen? Okay, so Lozabar couldn't have been uh, his edus couldn't have caused an eved to become a kohen. Ella ema bikshu lalis eved kuhunapi. They wanted to make an eved a kohen because of me, but in the end, it turned out Baruch Hashem they figured it out. Chazar basri Reb Yehuda. They saw in the city of Reb Yehuda where people who even were avodim were allowed to take truma. Vaazal vaasid and he went and he testified basri Reb Yehuda in Reb Yehuda's city where they did not allow that to happen. And um, therefore, they just assumed everybody kept their same, their same uh, minug. And that's why they wanted in the city of Rabbi Yehuda to turn him into a Kayin. But Baruch Hashem, they chapped that in the other cities, just because you got, didn't make you a Kayin. And hence, this Eved was not turned into a Kayin. Taner Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, so shuwi asara ain chokin ham truma beis There are ten people who we do not give them truma at the base hagranis. Ve'eluhein. And here is the list of people. Cheresh, a deaf mute. Okay? A cheresh is a deaf mute. We'll see why. Shaita, a person who is a fool, a person who is not mentally competent. Okay? We're not going to hand truma to him either at the granary. The katan and a katan, somebody under the age of bar mitzvah, tumtum and dragoness. We don't give it to a tumtum. Somebody's genitals are covered over on dragoness. He's got genitals of both, uh, of both sexes. Va'ever, and Ever Kanani, Va'isha, and a woman. Now, over here, Rashi says, a Kohenes you would give Shuma to, but a Yisraelis who married a Kohen, we would not give Shuma to. Va'aro, and a person out of Brismila, Kohen out of Brismila. A tame, kain is tame, v'nais isha sheina hagenis lay. If a kain marries a woman who's forbidden to him, the kulon mishagrin lehem lebateim. And even though we don't give them at the granary, we will send it to their homes. They are entitled to eat it, okay? Except for obviously an aril, an aril is not entitled to eat it, but his family could. So we'll, we're willing to send it over to 
to his house, chutzmi tame, except for tame, because it's going to make a tame. Venaisi isha shein agenesla, a person who marries a woman that's not fit. Bishlam achir shait vikata lavanei deyanin. I know I won't give it to them because they don't have the the mental abilities. Tumtum adraginus nami. I know. I also know I won't give it to a tumtum adraginus type of tomorrow's daf. Beria bifniyasinin. Who they are? They're they're like an own beria. And it's not, uh, and uh, Rashi here explains, it's a lack of cover, it's a lack of respect to give it over to them. Ebed Nami and Ebed as well. We don't want people to think he's a coin. We don't give it to our own Tomei because it's mice. It's not, it's not uh, honorable to the Truma to hand it directly over to them. We're finding him. Why don't we give it over to a woman who marries a Kayan, maybe she'll get divorced and still come to collect it, which is no longer going to be allowed to, because they could come to Yichud at the granary, and tomorrow we'll start with my Benayu, what's the difference between these two explanations, we will hold it here for today, have a wonderful, wonderful evening everybody, we'll see everybody tomorrow, same time, hopefully from Yerushalayim, a good night.